Well, aloha, everyone, and welcome to the Ascent Podcast, where we explore the transformative power of personal growth and development. Today, we're going to dive deep into a subject that's really focused in on how to live an intentional life. Edward, thank you for joining me today. It's, it's an honor to have you here. We're going to dive deep into this, so let's just get right into it. When you hear the term or someone says, live an intentional life, what does that mean to you? Hey, Brian, thanks a lot. That's a great question, and that's a term that we hear thrown around uh, pretty frequently um, anywhere in your social media spaces, um, in your family, in your friend group, in your peer groups, live an intentional life. To me, an intentional life means a person is taking time out of their day, taking time out of their week, taking time out of their lives to think constructively about their future or any event that they want to have. They feel themselves in that space and are able to track their way forward um, to that end goal. And that can be a career goal and see yourself that next day, feel what a perfect day looks like and envision yourself there and let yourself be drawn into that future. And I think that adding that feeling of that creative imagination to that space is what differentiates it from things that I plan to do in my life and things of that nature. Intention is a bit different because you have to feel yourself in that end state and bring yourself to that place. So before we get any deeper, uh, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and what type of work are you doing right now? Well, sure. So I've been uh, practicing in the physical, physical therapy field for about seven years now. Um, doing general rehabilitations, post-surgical, things of that nature. But in that space, I learned that most of my patients had a lot more going on besides just their simple injury um, and everything that surrounds them that needed to be adjusted as well. You see you know, mental difficulties, uh, physical health issues, spiritual health issues that all you know involve the issue that they're there to see you at that point. And I want to take a step back and be able to address the person holistically and not simply um, as a part of their injury and rehabilitation process, but help them lead better lives altogether. Um, and that's what brought me out from the physical therapy space into more of the health, nutrition, and consulting space so that I can address people in my community that have greater needs beyond just you know, recovering from an accident or a surgical procedure. So I work a lot heavily with, you know, consulting, um, teaching, mentoring um, in those spaces, nutrition, physical health, spiritual health, and mental health, because all of those combined create a holistic person. Excellent. Thanks for sharing that. So sounds like to me, obviously, the work that you've been doing has been very impactful and, and certainly making a difference. One of the questions that I would have as a follow-up to that is one of the things that you definitely run into as I'm going to use the term mindset. And obviously mindset can be um, driven by many different things. So you've got you working with people who possibly have lost a limb and how they're mentally coping with that. What types of mindsets have, do you typically see people bring to the, to the table? And then what type of guidance and work have you done to really help people shore up their mindsets, try to keep them positive and move in the right directions? Well, what I've learned uh, through this time is a lot of people 
have an external locus of control when they think about their life. Everything happens to them and the world is happening to them. And when you have that type of vision, even with something when you're in a rehabilitative space, you view your injury as something that happens to you and you depend therefore on other people to fix the issue. And you can see how that can be um, unnerving a bit when you have to understand that you're involved in your care, in your health, in every aspect of your life. And, you, and most people don't just simply turn that way when they have an injury. Usually that's part of their whole life experience altogether. So what I like to do is take that person by the hand and show them that you are in control. Um, science has proven that you can you know, speak things over your mind, speak things over your body and heal your body. Um, and in this case as well, you're gonna have a better outcome if you understand that you are equally a part of this treatment team as a person that's providing the care for you. And in your larger life picture, when it comes to your health, you're the one that's on the hook for that. No one is, no one is uh, gonna affect that for you better than you can. So I wanna empower people to take up the mantle of their health, of their mental health, their physical health, you know, it's becoming that time of year when everyone's going to lose that 50 pounds they just gained over the holiday period. You know, all the rest are going to come out fast and furious. But, you know, that small window of six weeks between January and February 15th, where most people fall off from the gym, is because they thought, again, that someone else was going to help them make those changes besides themselves. And you used the term uh, uh, a little bit ago, holistic, right? So thinking about the holistic approach to what we have discussed so far, obviously you have the mindset piece of it, which is a key component to it. Uh, you have the mental fitness piece, and we'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper into that in just a second. Where do you see things like um, my personal goals, my purpose in life, and all of that fitting into that as well? Well, I think your purpose and your goals in life, again, when we're talking about intentionality, that is what builds that purpose. Your intent, like I said, you want to live in that end state because the intent gives you, adds into the feeling behind that purpose. If you have your purpose in life, that, that's, that's a black and white goal state. If you have intention added to that, then now you have the feeling that goes along with that. And in order to achieve that goal and live in that purpose state, you have to be able to see yourself there. And I think people can understand that, and I can't overstate that enough, that you're, you're the master of your fate and the creator of your destiny. And you cannot live a purpose-driven life if you have not taken the steps to sit and think uh, creatively and critique yourself and what you actually want out of life. Because if you can pick how, what you actually want out of life, not $1 million, because we'd all be millionaires, but say specifically what you want. Fill yourself with what it feels to be a millionaire. That's what you can't even imagine what that is. But if you start thinking about those things, your mind is a beautiful thing. It will push you into that space. Okay. So that is your view of intentionality and how we essentially take that to drive our purpose, our goals, our missions that we're on in life. 
let me bring this then back to talking about uh, mental fitness, because as you said a while ago, that, especially in today's world with so much that's going on, seems to play a great part in just our capacity to do one of two things, take on something new uh, or take on change. And I think both those things are key for living an intentional life. So what would you share or what would you like to talk about when we talk about that from a mental fitness standpoint? Well, I think, first of all, when we talk about change, we have to understand that change is not bad. Change is not painful. We run from change because we've created a concept in our mind that says anything outside of what we are doing currently or that we can pull up from our past imagery is going to be painful and it's going to be difficult. But the only thing that's difficult is the wording that we're putting into, into our mind. And mental fitness simply says that no matter what we're going to do going forward, whatever change is possible, my mind is strong enough to handle those changes um, in a positive manner. Because we all go through change, a lot of us just deal with it in a very negative manner. Um, so by removing distractions, removing the TV, removing social media, and instead inputting positive reading materials and uh, listening materials that are going to support you in that in that space is all steps that can help relieve those perceived painful inputs from um, that come along with change. I want to push that along a little bit because you use the term input. And I know that's something that we've kind of discussed in a, in a sidebar conversation. How about you kind of cover a little bit more about, from your perspective, the relationship between what inputs are and what that looks like and how that relates to what we're going to call output and how sometimes we get distracted or focused on the wrong piece of that pie. When we're looking at inputs from a, from a mental, mental space, um, that can be anything to be anything from your from your environment um, from your family from friends from co-workers all these things are pieces of the pie that goes into uh, our mindset and the way we think and way we interact with our with our lives and then on the other side what comes out on the outputs that can be either a positive self-image or a negative self-image and we cannot focus on the inputs if the output is our goal. Again, when we're talking intentionality, we always think in the end state, not in what's going into becoming. Life mm -hmm. is challenging. Challenges come, but we don't focus on those challenges. We focus on the outputs. That's the fruition, the fruits of our labor. But obviously the inputs is probably where we see day in, day out, the greatest uh, probably impact on ourselves especially when we talk about family and natural environments. Um, so I wanna bring up two things when we're talking about the input side, because I'd love to hear your perspective on how to best handle and navigate these things. So let's talk about family dynamics, one, and then let's talk about socioeconomics, two. And as we talk about those two things, I want to really focus in on two main components. One is gonna be your mental fitness and what that's like. And then the other is gonna be your health because that's another piece of, I think, the, the pie that gets overlooked. Because technically, one actually feeds and supports the other, but I think it gets overlooked in the connection between the two. I, th I think that is a, a spot on um, 
character of that situation, health and mental fitness are intrinsically tied. When we talk about things about your diet and how that affects your mental acuity and your mindset. If you eat poorly, you're gonna feel poorly, you're going to think poorly. And our families have a lot to do with it. Um, we are raised from a small child on the things we should eat, what types of diets we should have. And that goes with us on through our entire adult lives until we're having children. So if we've been feeding our bodies wrong and now our thought processes are wrong and all of this is coming from our family, that just multiplies the challenge that, that a lot of us have when we're trying to make these intentional changes. And in confronting family members, you know, I remember when I uh, went vegan, it was it's a big deal. The first thing you get is, oh my goodness, what are you going to eat? But I tell everyone at this point, I would not go back because of the lightness and the, the ease of which I can think um, without having all the meat and animal byproducts in there has allowed my mental health to grow astronomically over the past few years. So we have to be able to, again, look at our family, understand our family dynamic, but not allow that to push us away from our goal of a holistic person. And then what about the socio socioeconomic piece of it? How does that play into it all? Back to my own personal experience, you know, when you were talking about the social determinants of health, um, you are talking about um, job status, um, living status, things of that nature. Um, it's really hard to focus on your mental health when you're stressed and worried about paying the light bill. It's really hard to worry about getting whole grain foods and fruits and vegetables when you've been to the grocery store and you see how much organic food costs. So when we look at those socioeconomic facts and see why mental health is so rampant, negative mental health that is in, you know, in um, communities of color, because we can't parse apart the effects of economic and how that plays a role in how we determine, examine, and write our mental health. Mm. So obviously the holidays are here and you know we just had Thanksgiving, we're on our way to Christmas. And I'm sure most of our families have these traditions and traditional meals and you know, part of that is the mac and cheese and this and that and the other thing. Um, how do you see that playing into this too as a challenge to you know start to change yourself both mentally, emotionally, and health-wise uh, when you have those traditions that are there? which might not necessarily be the healthiest thing for you. That, that's great. And I, that's one question I love to tackle. You know, I'm from California, but I live in the South right now, South Carolina to be exact. And you'd be surprised some of the things I've seen come across someone's plate, whether that be a holiday or not, okay? And what I like to do is I like to just question, and I encourage everyone to question these things that we call tradition whether the meals, um, whether it be the mac and cheese and the turkey and the ham, and if you're down here, every piece of the bird that is, can go in the mouth is gonna get eaten. And then examine why we eat those things. You know, most people from what I experience don't understand what it to really look at nutrition, how food is meant 
break down the body, what systems are in play. It's not just about satisfying the palate and satisfying um, whatever hand to the mouth um, integration that you've become accustomed to. And so we need to ask our families, you know, is this best? And there's going to be pushback because you can't tell people that what they eat and what they say their family has been eating for generations is unhealthy. But if you peel the onion back, you'll see that everyone was not eating uh, meat four or five times a day. I remember, you know, my grandparents, when they're in their, um, their generation, they had meat on Sunday. And that was it. Throughout the week, it was whatever was coming out of, out of the garden. But meat was on Sunday. The pastor came over. He got the biggest piece of chicken. So this is a great time in this holiday period to look at those things and question those things. Because if you make that change, someone's going to question you. And when you can respond from a well-centered place about why you eat what you eat, the health benefits of that decision, and then share that with your family, then you can be a blessing to someone this holiday period. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to chime in there because I, a couple of things that I'm hearing from, you know, what you've been talking about so far, the, the primary focus really is obviously self, right? You, you are that accountability piece, I guess is the best way to look at it. And, you know, so whether you're having to deal with the pressures of family or family tradition or the cultural areas that you live in and what's traditionally available and what everybody's used to uh, when you're talking about your mental health and fitness uh, essentially monitoring what it is that you're taking in that's impacting that that particular space all of that you kind of become the gatekeeper am i on track in in, in my thinking from what you I are 100 percent on track you you are in control and you have to be the one that's going to control what goes in your mouth? There's two things that our body does. It works the stomach and works the brain. The stomach is thought of as the second brain. That's how important it is. If you think about your life day to day, most of the things that you do are on autopilot, except putting things physically in your mouth, which means that should be one of the most important things that we're taking a look at. When we look at our health and mental health, in particular, because the, the chemical makeup of the foods that we're eating directly affects our chemical makeup in our brain. So you being the self have to say, hey, what I need to live and survive and thrive, not just live, I want people to thrive and what you eat matters. And only you can control that. So research, there's, it's 2023, there is too much information out there of what you should be eating and things that you probably should not. And I encourage everyone to look at what that looks like for themselves. Don't get on fad diet. Start with yourself. What it means to sustain you, sustain your life, sustain your health. And when you start making those changes, you'll notice quickly things that bring you up and bring you down. And tying in the family into that, you have to be able to, you know, put a boundary on your, your family, on their input into your life decisions, because when they see the changes that you've made 
all the questions will rise again. Definitely, and I agree with you on that. So thanks for that information. And that really, from what we've shared so far, that's all tracking in line. One thing that I can definitely see is going to come from this is there's going to be change. And typically change brings about resistance of some type, whether it's personal and you just can't figure out how to navigate or outside because others can't figure out now how to relate to this new you. So what do you think is the root cause? Is it fear? Is it uh, not being accepted? Is it the judgment piece? Uh, let's talk about that a little bit to just to help our audience feel better and know how to basically better navigate their way through the change that's obviously going to come when they take ownership and, and start to move themselves forward. Sure. I would definitely say fear is the, is the number one thing. And it's not only fear on, on, on account of the person that is going through the change. Part of the fear you're going to feel is coming from those around you as well. Because, you know, you've been this stellar piece of their lives for, for as long as they've known you. They know where to place you in their lives. So when you change, there's a fear from them that says, oh, wait, I don't know what to do with this new version of you. And so they'll, they'll put their own resistance in place to say, you know, they help you second guess those decisions because they don't want you to disrupt where you fit in their life. Right. And we, we see that a lot. Number two, imposter syndrome. I hear, I hear that term used, used a lot, you know, and it just it creeps in. And, you know, do you, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing too much? Couldn't I just, right? We start to second guess and detract from our purpose again, you know? And when we get in that place, that's when we have to sit back, review, review that day, review that event. You know, if we fall, that's fine. But as long as we're doing that revision process to get us back online, then we're okay. But those resistant things are are, are stumbling blocks that we should expect. Mm -hmm. Okay, they're always going to be there, and it's my personal belief that those things are just there so that the universe knows that you are very serious about your intention. Because anyone can be pushed back, but those that are thinking in the end, living in that intentionality, they're going to press forward through that and understand that that block is there only for them to knock it over. So one thing I know we talked about offline a little bit is um, a lot of the times you have, we're thinking of this as this big grandiose thing. And I know we kind of talked about small things, right? Mm -hmm. So how about you talk a little bit about that and what that looks like and why that's really relevant to the success of like changing yourself, uh, being accountable to yourself so that you can move forward and be successful as you move forward. I think that the biggest part of that getting into the eaches is what I like to call discipline and not like mom spanking you, but you holding yourself accountable to the smallest portions of your life, the portions of your day. Um, the way we do that, setting up, set, having a calendar, um, setting up the day beforehand, you know, so that you know exactly what you have to get done throughout your day and hold yourself, hold yourself to that. Whether that be getting up in the morning, going to the gym, getting a good breakfast, the way you hydrate, the way you bathe yourself, the way you um, prepare yourself through the day. Um, all of those small things are, are key to getting to the, to the big end state. 
Uh, if, if you haven't read Will Smith's book, I would say to have a read uh, of, of his book. He, he gets really in depth on how he prepares himself for his day and how that those small things, things like um, stoicism and things of that nature that help to solidify your day. And then you have a, a script that you're going off of every day. And if you get off from that, you can review it and revise it in the evening and reset it for the next day. So it never gets away from it. I think a lot of times we think we're keeping our finger on the pulse and the next thing you know, three months have gone by and you haven't done that thing um, that you've been procrastinating on um, for that period. Yeah. So that brings me to my the very next thing I wanted to ask about. And that is focus, right? So how do you go about remaining focused? And I mean, obviously discipline is a piece of it, but it's more than that. So remaining focused, consistency, I think is also a another big piece of it. And then obviously you're working towards your purpose. So you gotta be focused, you have to be consistent, but I think you also have to be persistent. Right. Mm. So let's talk a little bit about those three things and why that's important and, and some of the tips you might want to give to make sure that you are incorporating all of that into your plan uh, to success. When we're talking about focus, we we're really talking about minimizing distractions. OK, um, there's a I would hear a lot growing up, you know, guard, um, guard your ears, the windows to your soul, right? Your ears. In your in your eyes, you know, and you know if we're binge watching Netflix, Hulu, or whatever your favorite show is on, then there's no way for us to maintain focus because our body, you know, runs subconsciously most of most of the day. So, if you flooded your brain um, with whatever your favorite show is, when you're on autopilot mode, it's focusing on those things and not your in state. So mm -hmm. looking at those things that are polluting your mind and instead fill it with something that's positive. So instead of watching that show, read something or watch something that has to do with your goal, with your destiny. You know, if you want to um, be big in finance, big in engineering, you want to find people that you can emulate and mark yourself after. And so you yourself with you know pictures images of those people that are following the behavior that you want to be so that will help you maintain your focus even throughout the day when you're on autopilot doing whatever your mind and your mental capacity are still flowing towards goal you want everything flowing in that same direction and so then persistence i like this version of persistence is you're persisting in that goal through your through your mindset when you do that, because everything you're doing throughout the day, for me, I put little tabs around my computer that lets me know I'm focused on, you know, this home goal. I'm working on this business goal. And it can be just a simple annotation that only I know, but when I look at it, it brings me back and tunes me back into my focus and my purpose every day, um, all day while I'm in front of my computer. And so persistence is also, even in the day that you're in, that you're persisting in thought so that your mind is in control and, and pushing you towards your goal. Because we don't want to be in a pool uh, with everything we have to do. We'd rather be on the receiving end. And if you, if you 
put those things out in the future using your creative imagination, then you're being pulled forward versus you putting that rucksack on your back and pumping your way to your goal state. One is going to be immensely easier. So one thing you mentioned back at the very beginning, and we were talking there, and you said um, something about how people tend to respond when things are going badly or wrong, is it's happening to me, or it's being done to me, right? That's the mindset that they essentially come from. So with that being said, let's talk a little bit about optimism or being an optimist versus being a pessimist, right? And why that's relevant, and what we can start to do to make sure that we keep as much as we can, because life happens, right? and we will all get that, staying on that optimistic side of life and, and the importance of that for not only your um, just physical being and where you are. Well, I think when we talk about the difference between optimism and pessimism, that that glass glass half full, if you see your glass is half full on the optimistic side, you automatically in a in a uh, setting of gratitude, right? If you are in a pessimistic, you are always in a place of want. Mm. And that's why we get caught in that cycle of want and don't have because we see things as they are, as, as half empty. You, you're always push, pushing and pulling for more because all you can see is empty. And guess what? If you see it as half empty, it's never going to get full because it will always be less than. And if you're in that space, that's a very dangerous place to be in because you're still in that world happening to mind state. When you flip that conversely, and now we're even in the optimistic life, I love gratitude. I do a gratitude um, speech when I wake up and before I go to bed to make sure that I'm that I'm in tune and I'm in, in alignment as I'm going through my day. And I don't let that just go by the wayside. It is very important because when we put ourselves in that place of gratitude, then we're opening ourselves up to be filled with with our hope and our desires and our purpose. Yes. Um, so if, we, if we're living on the optimistic side, then we are engaged in our change. We are engaged in our lives. We are engaged in how we transform ourselves. And it's not the pain of, oh, someone is trying to do something to me. I have a lot of people that say, hey, would you help me work out? I want to get in, get in shape. And what they're really saying is, I want you to get me into shape. And that's not how it works. Only you can get yourself into shape. Only you can get you, yourself fit. Only you can address your mental health issues that you have. But you have to look at it from an optimistic state. I am so blessed to be here, to be able to have the mental capacity to examine my life, examine the choices I've made, examine my now, examine my future, and decide this is where I'm going. Yeah, perfect. And, you know, it's interesting because that that's the accountability piece that we talked a little bit a while ago. And then the other thing I want to go back to is obviously we said holistic, right? And then yes. I know you've done some studies and some research looking at Western medicine, Eastern medicine, and also African uh, medicine. How about you share a little bit about what you've learned there and where those really intersect and how you started to use what you've learned from those studies and, and what you do in your daily routines, your daily diet, et cetera? Well, you know where I started? I started from a place of faith, to be honest. You know, as I, as I 
started to look at things that I wanted to change, I was really in a place where I was questioning, you know, things things about life, things about spirituality and religion and things of that nature. And that's what led to a lot of the tie-in with nutrition, because we live in a place where we are, you know, we're eating things that are not traditional. We're believing things that are not traditional, right? And so when you have these foreign, you know, influences upon a person, it's really hard to be a full and whole person when you don't even understand the context of, of the environment that you live in. You know, so I've been blessed to be able to look into, you know, Eastern religions and, and Zen and Hinduism and understand how they view their environment. And I think that's that's the number one key. We have to pull over our environment. We have to bend it. We have to break it. Whereas Eastern cultures, Eastern religions, more in indigenous cultures like our, um, in Africa or in, in Australia or even um, our Native Americans here, understood that we were all a part of our environment, not mm-hmm. subject to, okay? Mm-hmm. So if you start to see yourself as a part of your environment, you start to see um, there's an old colloquialism that there's something in the, in the earth to heal whatever ails you. And that's the thing that we knew a, a long time ago that has been lost in time, okay? And that ties back into our nutrition and what, what we're eating if we understand the environment from a different way, because you can have a pessimistic or optimistic view of your environment as well. And if you view your environment as out to get you, then you're not gonna understand that no, this environment is here to nurture you, okay? If you think it's here to nurture you, you're gonna pick things to go in your body a little bit differently. You're gonna move through your environment differently if you think your your environment is mutually supporting you. And then, you know, we have to, we cannot pin the blinders onto our spiritual fitness as well, because, you know, these are, all of these are combined to create the full person that is you. And if you have a belief in an outside, you know, man with a gray beard that's (laughs) judging you with wrath, you're going to feel, again, that your environment is out to, uh, is out to get you. you have to understand that you, we talked about the self, you're in control, you're in charge of your space, yourself in your environment. You are just a beautiful piece, just like the flower in the field are just a human flower that is growing and budding here, and there's nothing wrong with it. So let's talk a little bit about something that kind of came up in that, and that's, you mentioned spirituality. And um, let's talk about, I guess, the diversion from true religion to more spiritual or spirituality type based mindsets and what that path has been like for you and what you think some of the benefits have been well sure i came from a very very religious background just generations of of religion if you can think it i've been i've been there um but what i've learned is that there's a lot of trauma associated and I know a lot of people in the social media space are, you know, are wavering between religion and spirituality and simply saying that religion um, is, 
infer that spirituality is somehow subservient to religion, but I think that is very, can be very misleading to a, to a lot of people because spirituality um, bursts religion and, and not the other, not the other way around. You know, we're here on this planet trying to figure out, you know, where we fit in and everything like that. That bursts the spiritual piece, and then religion kind of capitulates from there. And in my opinion. You know, a lot of people are traumatized by religion, by being told things that really aren't serving to them, okay? And when you're traumatized by religion, it's really hard to get a spiritual footing when you're hearing, again, someone telling you for hours every week that you're a sinner and the world is out to get you. And that's just simply not the case. We are here by design here by purpose. I don't believe that we're here for a short period and then we're whisked away somewhere else because this is where we are meant to be. Our environment breeds human beings, just mm -hmm. like it breeds grass, just like apple trees and apple. This is what happens here. And we don't need to uh, push ourselves away and let someone else control who we are and how we guide ourselves through our lives. I love looking into uh, into you know, the, the now valley of religions, going into old Kemet, going, um, looking and seeing what uh, the Hinduism and, and Buddhism and things like that and how those fit into their societies. If you look at those, they're not really religious. It's just their way of life, how they interpret the world around them. And they don't believe the same thing that a, a Judeo-Christian or Muslim would believe. And that I think that says a lot about their way of life and we can learn a lot from those institutions yeah and i agree with you on, on all of that so that said uh i want to kind of bring this to one more point i want to get to this goes back to uh leadership so that's something else we talk quite a bit about on this podcast and uh you served in the military and you've been in that role of having to be a leader uh, so i would just like to kind of get your input on from a leadership standpoint, what you know now about mental mental health, mental fitness, uh, nutrition, and just holistic care for yourself, what are some of the things that you've learned and some of the things that a good leader might want to tune into as they're not only taking care of themselves in that space, but taking care of those that they're responsible for? Great question. So, you know, being in the, in the military, one of my favorite units, we had a, a saying that good units do the small things well. Okay. You know, I was in the infantry and everyone, you know, everyone wants to be a ranger, wants to be a Delta force, wants to be special forces because that's the sexy stuff, right? What we learn and what we preach is that we don't have to get into, the, into all this sexy stuff. If we simply do the simple simple things, the simple battle drills, the simple maintenance of yourself and your equipment. If we do those well, we win, okay? Good units do the small things well so that the large things look grandiose. And I think that can be, that goes back to each individual. Do the small things. When we're working on our, on our mental health, you know, taking care of yourself, taking care of your weapons and your equipment were the three things you had to do as a young soldier. I remember, you know, polishing boots. That was still a thing yeah. when I was there. But um, 
doing those small things, mental health practices, mindfulness every day, there's apps on your watch, but it's more important if you can take some time out of your day, 10, 15 minutes, maybe even 30 minutes to sit, turn the lights off, light your favorite candle and sit there in your space with yourself, sit with it, sit with your traumas, sit with your challenges and you will see those things as you apply your attention to it. Your mind is a beautiful tool that can help to resolve any question, any problem that you have and things will come to you, but you have to do those small things and do them consistently. Set an alarm. I, I, you'd be surprised how many alarms I have on my phone, Brian, for every day. Okay, but yeah. small things, what you eat, what you drink, what you think, and look at those daily. Great advice, good advice, the small things. But I think that's a key lesson that uh, anyone who's been listening today can take away is really, and again, focusing on, as we talked about earlier, the input pieces of it, which are the small things. What can I do to make sure I eat better, that I get enough sleep, that I get some exercise, that I don't hang around with those people who are negative and those types of things. You have the power to dictate all of those things in your life. And that adds up to the big pie at the top, which is a healthier you, both physically, mentally, emotionally. That said, we're going to wrap it up and bring it to what I like to call the, the final thoughts. So if there's one thing or some things that you would like to share with the audience, as kind of a summary of what we talked about today and for them to really take away and, you know, think about and then hopefully start to take some action on, what would you like that to be? So one, one thing that I like to look at, and I call it um, entrepreneurial health. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think we talked about it offline a little bit. What I want people to know, anyone listening, um, or viewing is to look at yourself as your as your business, and I want you to take an entrepreneurial um, steps into fixing your your health. When you're starting a business, you get deep into the weeds. You know you know your numbers. You know your target audience. You you know um, what your overhead costs, what your fixed costs are, what your variable costs are. Anything that goes into that business, you know it. You don't depend on someone else to know it for you. You, as the, the, the primary owner and CEO, that's your baby. Well, you are that same special piece. And I want us to get um, focused on taking concrete steps, knowing our simple uh, blood sugar, knowing what our heart rate is and what it should be, um, learning about foods that support your body versus harm your body, you know, take those steps so that you know, when someone asks you, what do you eat? What do you think? What do you believe? You can pull it, pull it out with, without a doubt. I eat this because this does this for me. And when you take an entrepreneurial step, you maintain the control of yourself first and foremost. No one else because you are your business. You are your baby. You are the most important thing in your life. And you have to take a hold of that and be responsible for which way it goes, positively or negatively. That's what I want each of us to harness these things, look at our mental health, look at our spiritual health, ask questions, is this good for me? Is this good for my business, the business of me? And find those things that are pushing you towards your purpose-driven life 
your intentional life so that you can be a true, full, and holistic person and the best you that you can be. And I think we can all do that. Absolutely, 100%. Thank you for that. You know, it's funny. I'm going to put a small challenge out because this is a discussion that came up among some, some friends the other day. We're just talking about the awareness piece, right? And the, the simple question was, do you know your own blood type? Do and I know my own blood type? How many people don't know what their own blood type is? Well, that's something, true. something as simple and basic as that. Mm -hmm. So for those of you out there watching, do you know your own blood type? Yeah, that's a great, great place to start, start, right? Great place to start. Great place to start. Edward, this has been amazing. Thank you for taking the time today. Uh, again, I think we've shared, shared a wealth of information and knowledge and things that can greatly help our audience. So I really appreciate that. And uh, we'll definitely do something again in the future. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. For those of you who have, are watching and have joined us, thank you so much. Uh, again, as I always say, take care and take care of each other. Uh, we'll definitely see you soon. Until then, everybody be good. Enjoy your holidays. Thanks again.